Good morning, everybody. How we doing today? Not all that good, huh? Come on, how y'all doing today? Certainly it could be worse. Certainly it could be worse. We are in church today. Uh, excited to be in Gulfport, in our Gulfport location. And uh, as, as Pastor Casey said, man, do y'all love Pastor Casey? Come on, give it up for Pastor Casey. Amazing guy, one of my best friends, and uh, just he just inspires me always. I was standing on the side over there, just listening to him talk, watching him up there. I was like, Lord, one day when I grow up, can I be like Pastor Casey? <laughs> I was praying that. So, uh, but what an honor to be on the team with uh, Pastor Casey as well as Pastor Jordan, our senior pastor, Pastor Micah in Long Beach, um, uh, Pastor Stephen over in Ocean Springs. Hey, y'all excited about Ocean Springs? Come on, <laughs> kill it, in Ocean Springs. Pastor Van, who's actually speaking today at a, at a church in Alabama and uh, pouring out his godly wisdom. I have to talk like that when I talk about him. And, uh, and, uh, and, and look, I, I want to welcome in right now our Wiggins location. Come on, church, give it up for Wiggins. What's up, peeps? Um, and uh, Arnie's up there, Arnie Williams. He was down here a few, few uh, weeks back. You know, how many of you enjoyed Arnie when he spoke down here? Arnie's up there. He's... He's uh, actually doing all the transitions up there, and we're live feeding into Wiggins today. And so we are one church, many locations, and uh, it is a blessing. We, we, we have a good thing going. I, I, I agree with Pastor Casey, a good thing going. And uh, it's good to be here today. <clears throat> if you brought your Bible or you've got your phone with a Bible app on it, you version, open up to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to talk today about parenting and uh, we're in a series called Family Talk, and as many of you may know, and you may have been watching online, or you may uh, have been here for the series, we started out by talking about how um, God designed us to belong. He wired us to belong. We need to be in the family. Scripture tells us that God takes the solitary and he puts them in a family. We need one another. We need community. We also talked uh, about how we fail so miserably at communication, probably the greatest problem in marriage. Uh, probably the greatest problem in the family, and I would say even in the world, is communication. How I many of you know we really, we really mess up communication? Um, last week we spoke about marriage, biblical marriage, and we said that biblical marriage says that uh, marriage is a covenant relationship between one man and one woman, and we kind of blew that up, and all of these messages can be seen on our website. If you want to go back and watch them, it's great help. We also have some helps on our small group page. If you, if you type in northwood.church slash small groups, there's a, a resource link and there's some videos that will be helpful for your family. And uh, it's good to study, it's good to, to read up on the family. And today we're going to talk about parenting. So I'm, I'm 54 years old, I know I don't look it, <clears throat> um, and uh, I, I'm a parent, but also a grandparent, and um, I, I'm here today to tell you that I don't know everything, even through all the years of experience. Um, uh, 29 years of being a parent, um, I, I don't know everything. And I'm not going to speak to you today as if I do. Um, however, fortunately, um, we have help. We have God, right? We have the Bible. And the and, uh, Holy Spirit is going to help us today out of Ephesians chapter 6 and some other areas to talk about how to, how to be good parents. Also, I'm aware that not everybody here is a parent. Not everybody watching online, Wiggins, not everybody is a parent. Some of you are young people. I'm going to speak to you today because God does. Um, students, um, but also some single folks in here, young couples that aren't parents yet. Some of you have already parented your kids. How many of you know you never end your parenting? You really don't. You're always a parent. Once you're a parent, always a parent. But uh, you may not have little children in your house, and I get that. But I, I tell you what, we still have influence, and, and we need to know how to exercise that influence. And so we're going to mention that as well today. Before we get into Ephesians, I, I want to I throw up a scripture from the book of John, Jesus talking to us says in John 10, 10, the enemy comes, the thief, the devil comes to still kill and destroy. <clears throat> then he goes on to, to bring hope by saying, but I've come that you might have life, that you might have life and have it abundantly. That word abundantly means wide open. It speaks of um, freedom, a free life, an unencumbered life now and throughout eternity. And so, yes, the devil has an assignment. It is to still kill and destroy, and he's vigilant, has been doing that. 
Since the beginning, he's been trying to destroy the two institutions that God created, and that is the church and the family. I mean, you know, you don't see the devil attacking, uh, you know, Hollywood, attacking uh, uh, a lot of the systems in the world that have nothing to do with God, but he is, he is dialed in on the church and on the family. We should not be surprised when we see legislation or communication or ideologies that come down uh, to us through the media sources or through social media or whatever that attack the family or attack the church. That's the devil's assignment. That's what he does, and he does it very well. Now, we need to be aware of that. We need to be uh, in the know, right? We don't need to be naive. We don't necessarily need to let him rape our families and do what he wants. We need to be ready and, and prepared to stand in defense of our families, but not surprised, right? The enemy wants to steal your children. He wants their heart. He wants their innocence. Every one of us at one time in our lives had a measure of innocence. Caleb, I remember when you were uh, two years old, three years old. Caleb, my son, Brooke, sitting over here. Um, and this, is, this is gross, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it'll embarrass you. Uh, I, I remember Caleb, Caleb would sit in my lap. I mean, he was just 18 months, two years old. And I would take ice, and he loved it when I would take ice, and I'd crunch it up, and I would just put the little pieces like a little bird in his mouth. I told you it was gross. <laughs> it was very intimate. <laughs> Something only a father and son could enjoy together. So weird. I know. I, I am. <laughs> you know that already. <laughs> it was precious, y'all. Oh, I wish I had video. That was before video. That was back in the days when were, everything was pencil. But, <laughs> but it was precious. It was precious and he was innocent. The devil wants to steal your child's heart. He wants your child's innocence. Every one of us at one point in our lives were innocent. If you can't steal your child's heart, he wants to lure them away to serve him. He wants to destroy them in any means possible. But Jesus has a better plan. He's come that we could have life and that we could, uh, that we could nurture and protect and instruct our children in the ways of God, teach them the ways of the Lord. How many of you know, come on, somebody in Wiggins, how many of you know God's way is the best way? Really, God's way is the best way. Our ways, we jack things up. God's way, the best way. Jesus came that we may have life. So we're going to talk about parenting today, and I'm going to start in Ephesians chapter 6, first few verses, and this, is, this starts out children, so if you're a student here today, a young person, um, isn't it cool that God speaks to you? God cares about you. Uh, God's not always just talking to your mom and dad, you know, he's not just, you know, all right, tell your children this, uh, tell your kids this. No, he talks to the young people. If you're a young person in here today, God's talking to you today, and he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. I, I remember someone preaching years and years ago. It wasn't here somewhere else. I can't remember who, but he said this. He said, well, you know why it'll go well with you if you, obey, if you don't obey your parents? They used to stone you in the Old Testament. They just stone you to death. They would kill you. That's why if you obey your parents, you don't get stoned. I don't, I don't think you should stone your children. <clears throat> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's God's best for your children. But children, I mean, come on, obey your parents, right? Uh, let, me, let me address part of the scripture that says that it may go well with you, though. Um, you see, the deal is you don't have to obey your parents and you don't have to honor them. God wants you to do it right. He wants you to do it his way, and his way is to obey and honor. But you don't have to. But I will tell you this, if you choose to do it God's way, if you're a young person and you choose to do it God's way, it will go well with you. There's something about the process of obeying and honoring your parents that helps you later in life to obey and honor God. And if you have a tough time obeying and honoring your parents, it's very likely that you'll have a tough time later in life obeying and honoring any authority in your life. But my goodness, you'll have trouble obeying and honoring God. And that's when it doesn't go very well. And so it will go better with you if you do obey and honor your parents. So let's talk about obey. The word obey means to submit to authority, to do what they say. Now, submission, submitting is a universal aspect of all of our lives. We have to submit to our parents, as the scripture says, but we also submit to our teachers, our coaches. We submit to the police. We submit to the government. We submit to our employers. You submit to your pastors. Come on, somebody. Amen. We submit to our pastors. I mean, that's what the Bible says anyway. Some of you do. And then ultimately we submit uh, to God. 
we submit to God. All authority does come from God. And he gives us this command to submit. And obedience to parents is always easier when you submit. And submission and submitting is always easier when you're humble. Now, humility, that's not so easy. We're born selfish. We're born selfish and prideful. Pride says, I'll do it my way. My way is the best way. Come on, how many of you, when you were young, you, you thought that? You may not have said it, but you thought that. My way is the better way. I know what I'm doing. Nobody, nobody tells me what to do. Come on, somebody. Amen? <laughs> don't get a lot of amens on that stuff. Nobody tells me what to do. Or maybe you said this. I remember thinking this, never said it, but about my dad, my mom, that, that they were pretty much just stupid and I knew better. I thought it. Or maybe you're thinking, you're a young person, you're thinking this, because this is young person terminology. They're just old fuddy-duddies, and I just want to have fun. Anybody use that word, fuddy-duddy? <laughs> you should try it. <laughs> Humbling yourself in obedience and submitting to your parents' authority carries over into submitting to God's authority later in your life. The second word that is used here in the scripture is the word honor. And the word honor means to respect and to love. And I want to add that I believe that we, we should honor whether they deserve it or not. And remember, this is the command from God. This is God speaking to you young people. And God's saying to honor your parents. And I know, I know firsthand, I know I've seen the storylines. I've seen the lives of many, many people. Your parents aren't honorable. And I get that. And that's not across the board because many of you, your parents are very honorable. Or maybe you just can't see it. But at the end of the day, God says to honor your parents. And so I would want to add, whether they deserve it or not, honor your parents. You know, interestingly, children are to obey their parents while they're in their care, but they must honor their parents for a lifetime. So now we're not just talking to students anymore. We're talking to all of us who have parents who are living we must honor our parents. Here's some ways to honor your parents, whether you're a student or whether you're a, a big kid like me. Make your parents look good. Never shame your parents, especially publicly. Let them know that you appreciate all that they do for you. You know, they have good intentions. They really do, even though they use the word fuddy-duddy and stuff like that. <laughs> Ask your parents for advice. Let them know that their voice matters to you. Man, what a way to show honor. Don't judge them. <laughs> they are broken just like you and they need Jesus. Hmm. And let me just say, please forgive your parents. Forgive your parents. God says to forgive. They may have made many mistakes in your life. They may be making mistakes right now. Forgive your parents. Take some time to pray for them. Probably the greatest way you can honor your parents is to pray for them. Casey, thank you for honoring your dad here today. You had no idea that I was talking about this, but you are a man who does that, and I, I appreciate that about you. But thank you for honoring your dad today. You spent time with him this weekend, and you listened. Man, that's precious, bro. That's honor. That's honor, and we, we need to do just that. Pray for your parents. Now, the next verse, verse 4, it, it turns more into instruction for parents, and it begins with fathers. And I, again, I, I recognize that some of you in here today, you may be a single parent home, maybe your mom, you have, to, you have to wear the father's pants in the family, and, or maybe your grandparents, and you are the guardians of your grandchildren, and you're their parents. Uh, maybe you've adopted, maybe you're just in a role where you're a parent, but, but fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Do not provoke your children to anger. There are many times in our lives where, remember we already said we're selfish, but we, we, we act out of our selfishness and we provoke our children to anger. When we provoke our children to anger, it, it does something to them. When they rise up into wrathful attitudes. It does something to them. This can happen when they're 5, 10, 15, 25. But when you provoke your children to anger, you're risking losing their heart in that moment. 
Because when their anger rises up, it closes them off. It closes the door, your access to them. And when you close off access to them, you no longer have access to their hearts, that precious thing that you've carried since they were a child. There are many ways we provoke our children to wrath. Uh, I want to talk about a few today. Uh, Interestingly, Frederick Douglass says it is easier to build strong children than to repair a broken man. We've got to work on this. Y'all listen to what I'm saying today. Apply what I'm saying today. So how do we provoke our children to anger? First way that I have in my notes here is that we can have an unloving attitude. It's selfish-driven. comes out in the way we speak to our children. We say things like, you're always in the way. Or leave me alone. Stop bothering me. Or worse yet, I wish you had never been born. You may never say something like that, but many parents do. It can be the tone of voice or the words we speak. They tear down, they belittle. They are, at the end of the day, just a way of controlling our children. I've told you a hundred times to take out the trash. What's wrong with you? Are you stupid? Now, I've preached this message before, and I know right now some of you are uncomfortable because you're having flashbacks. And you're hearing your mom or your dad's voice when I raise my voice. There's something interesting about life. Hurt people hurt people. And if your mom and dad hurt you with their words, if they controlled you with their words and they they said things, why can't you be like your brother? You just wait till your father gets home. He's going to tear you up. Hurt people hurt people. If your parents hurt you, it's very likely they were hurt by their parents. And they're doing what they were trained to do. And you're possibly doing what you were trained to do by them. Jesus said the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he will very willingly use you to destroy your child's heart and his innocence. But you don't have to. Jesus said, I came that you may have life. Jesus said, there's freedom for you. So that you can speak to your children with words of life, of empowerment, words that embolden, words that build up, not words that tear down. I know we get busy and and we got so much going on. And it's not when we're on the top of our game that we say these things. It's when everything is going crazy at work and everything's going crazy in the house, you know, and, and, and the, the, the dog's tearing the couch up and the cat's pooping on the carpet. Can I say that in church? I, I won't say that. So the, the, the kids are screaming and crying and snot everywhere and the husband comes in and instead of bringing you flowers, he says, here, you need to pay these bills and you've had it up to here. And then that's when those words come out. You say that to those kids. Shut up! I mean, you didn't mean it that way. It's not the way, it's not your heart. <laughs> but you did it. You just crush them. And you provoke them to wrath, their heart closes. And then you wonder why they're not listening to you, why they're not wanting to respond to your sweet voice later in the day when you've had your glass of wine. I'm not sure if I can say that either. Our words carry with them unreasonable demands, petty rules, and empty threats. And our words are so powerful. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 gives you a good way. You might want to write this down. Take a picture of it if it pops on the screen here. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 gives us a way to use our words wisely. And it talks about love. And it says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. 
It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Come on, somebody. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Our children need our love, not our provocation to wrath. The second thing that provokes our children to wrath, as we read in the scripture here, is Christian hypocrisy. Christian hypocrisy. You know, I'm, I'm speaking uh, to the internet, I'm speaking to Wiggins campus, speaking to Gulf Fork campus, but we're talking to Christians today. I'm talking to Christians today. And, and as Christians, um, we have to be very careful about hypocrisy, you know, saying one thing and being one person in one environment and then another person in another environment. Uh, it does lead to religion, which leads to bondage, and it is very visible to our children. So if you were fighting all the way here today and you were cursing your wife out in the car all the way here and your kids are in the back seat and they're hearing you do this and then they watch you walk in the front lobby here and you see Pastor Casey and you say, praise the Lord, brother. Amen. It's such a good day. I love you, Pastor Casey. And God is good. Oh, yeah, all the time, you know. And the kids are like, who are you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you get the phone call from the small group. Remember, and you're talking about, yeah, praise, let me pray with you, brother. And you pray with that brother. You got to use that tone of voice, yeah, brother. And you pray with them, and then you get off the phone, and you turn to your kid, and you holler at them, you cuss them, and who are you? You see what I'm saying? Christian hypocrisy has a way of provoking our children to wrath. They eventually say, I don't want that. I don't want to be like you. If that's what Christianity is, I don't want it, man. I, honestly, if I was in your home and saw that, I, I would probably say that too. And you know, Caleb, I, I worked hard not to be that guy. I know there was times whenever I, I was. I was I was not the best example, and I've repented of that many, many times. Some of you you might you might do the same thing, you know. And so, uh, fortunately, Caleb loves God today, so I didn't destroy it totally. But it is it's a big deal. Oh, thank Jesus! I asked him to make you forget. Yeah, he said, I don't remember those times. I, I do, I pray. I said, God, would, would you wipe his memory? <laughs> Jesus called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs for doing exactly what we're describing here because he knew how destructive it was. So the third thing that provokes our children to wrath is unanswered questions. Now, it's so cute, so sweet when our children are two and three years old and they Mommy, why? Why? Why does the bird fly? Why does the green bean taste like mud? Why, Mommy, why? It was so cute. And all oh, we giggle and we laugh. It's so cute. But when they're 15 and they're asking why, you can't continue to say, because I told you so. They need answers, parents. They need answers. They need truth. And here's the crazy thing. If you don't give them truth, somebody will. They're getting truth. They're hungry for truth. Our young people, I was a hungry, hungry, hungry for truth. Young man, and our, our, our young people want truth. They're asking the questions. They're profound questions that warrant our attention. They warrant our time. They warrant our investment. I wrote in my notes here, the world is ready and willing to answer your children's questions with secular ideologies and humanistic philosophies that will stimulate their carnal cravings and whet their appetite for satisfaction. If you don't give them truth, they're going to get answers. Do you want them to get those answers? They're asking questions. They're asking why. I think we, we sometimes make excuses. And silence. Silence is also provoking. When your kids ask why and you just don't say, I don't know, baby. I don't know. And you don't. There's a better way. You may not know. But you can tell them, I'm going to find out for you. Let's find out together. Let's find out together. Let's look at God's word. Let's look at truth. Let's ask somebody. Let's get some resources. Let's find out the answers to those, uh, those questions because they're important. God would want us to know those things. But when we're silent, you know, it's, I've heard people use the scripture before. You know, the Bible says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. So I just don't say nothing. But they, that's not proper. That's not what it means. Listen, yes. Listen well, but speak up too. 
Be a voice in your child's life. If you don't, it could provoke them to anger, provoke them to wrath. The fourth thing, the last thing on this particular topic that provokes our children to wrath is the lack of leadership. So when parents are not strong leaders in their kids' lives, when other strong leaders show up and enter their lives, they gravitate towards them. Our children want leadership. And if you're not willing to stand in those shoes, there's a vacuum that's created. And as soon as somebody steps in that is a strong leader, a charismatic personality, they gravitate towards them and you can lose your child's heart. Godly leadership knows how to gently hold their heart and lovingly discipline them and instruct them in the ways of God. And if you don't know how, we find out how. We don't just lose them. We don't just give them away. Oh, well, I tried. These are our children. And Jesus has given them to you to steward well. If your car breaks, you get it fixed. You don't just leave it in the yard. Right? Let the grass grow up through the hood. I mean, I have seen some of your yards and... But that's not God's best. You spend time. You invest. You lead. And you lead as best you can. You get help in that leadership. I will say this. Um, we have a, an amazing student ministry here at Northwood Church. And we have amazing leaders. Pastor Micah over the team at every location that invest in your children every Sunday night and through the week with encouragement and being godly examples to them, modeling Christianity to them. And you should have your children in the Impact Student Ministry. You really should. You, this is not a sales pitch, y'all. It's not for us. It's for you. We do this for you. We work hard at our craft for you. We want you to succeed as a parent. We want to support the family. It's not going to do it all for you. You still have your part. But you should have your students in the student ministry in your local church. Partner together. Invest in your children. Verse 4 in Ephesians chapter 6. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's really interesting here. You know, we, we have um, our mission statement here at Northwood Church is to, that we create Christ-centered communities to help people know God, to grow in Christ and to go in the power of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. And I, I read this verse, and I could only hear our mission statement, but not for the church, but for my home. That it is our responsibility in our homes to create Christ-centered environments, communities in our home that help our children know God, to grow in Christ, and to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. How many would consider that a win in your house? Right? And so we need to be working diligently creating these environments. It says, bring them up, bring them up, take them by the hand, teach them, lead them by example, instruct them as you go. In the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy chapter six, it says this, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently. Somebody say diligently. Teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when, you're, when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. We teach our children. We walk them by the hand from early age all the way through to launch. I read a commentary on this verse in Deuteronomy. It said God's people were responsible to meditate on these commands, to keep them in their hearts this enabled them to understand the law and to apply it correctly. Then the parents were in a position to impress them on their children's hearts also. The moral and biblical education of the children was accomplished best not in a formal teaching period each day, but when the parents, out of concern for their own lives as well as their children's, made God and his word the natural topic of a conversation which might occur anywhere and anytime during the day. As you go. Take them by the hand. Uh, Pastor Jordan, you've shared this with the staff over and over again over the years as you navigate 
parenting uh, with your children, but that, that it's not an everyday devotional at the breakfast table and says, the Lord says, but, but it's more of a, how was your day? And then using that as a practical teaching tool. Your dad did that for years and taught us that as well. And we, we did that. Caleb, you remember. You know, we, did, we didn't have daily devotionals. And let me just say this. I'm not knocking daily devotionals. Some of you had daily devotionals. Still do. Keep it up. Don't stop. But, but using everyday life situations, very biblical, using everyday life situations. How was your day? Well, I got bullied today. Well, let's talk about that. How do you believe that makes God feel? What does the Bible say about that? How should we respond to that in a biblical fashion, right? How can we be Christ-like? How can we grow in our Christ-likeness from that experience today? It's using everyday to teach our children, to train them, to train them. It says, bring them up, bring them up, bring, bring them up. It's an action. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So there are a lot of ways to discipline. There's a lot of ways to instruct, and there's a lot of good resources out there. Google them, you'll get them. There's a lot of great resources in this room, people who've done it. And a great resources. And I, and I would not do it justice to try to exhaust that today. So I want to leave you with three things that I believe that apply here to teaching your children. To disciplining. You know the word discipline is rooted in the word disciple. Discipling your children. Discipling your children. Teaching them. Training them. Proverbs says, train up a child in the way they should go, right? And they shall not depart when they're old. And we should train our children. So I want to give you three things. Just as takeaways here today. Number one, teach them how to celebrate the small victories. You know, all through the Old Testament, we read the narrative of the, the nation of Israel, the children of Israel, as they were called. And man, when they were doing good and they got on the top, man, they were winning the victories. They were beating the enemy and, and, and they, were, they were killing it as a nation. You saw a pattern where they would, they would forget about God. And they would think, oh, look at us. What have we done? Oh, look at our king, what he's done. Celebrate the king. Have a big feast. Kill some more oxen and bulls. And they would forget about God. And, and I, really, I really think there's a, a lesson to be learned from that. We have to teach our children how to celebrate the victories in life. Yes, it's good to win. I, I love to win. I think winning is an important element to teach, but you have to do it in a proper fashion. There has to be humility. There has to be humility. You know, I'm a soccer coach. I'm a soccer coach. I love coaching soccer. I have the, I've had the privilege of coaching my daughter's soccer um, from the time she was five years old all the way through. And uh, now she's a mom. Uh, she has uh, twin uh, girls, seven years old, and she's the head coach, and I'm the assistant coach uh, on the soccer team. And I love, love, love being the assistant coach. Mariah's watching today in Wiggins. Um, I told this story. Wiggins, you, you heard me tell this story here just uh, not long ago, but... Um, you know, I love coaching my granddaughters, but I'm really there for my daughter to make her successful. I'm there to support her, to be her assistant coach. And I call her that, coach, you know, on the field. Uh, hey, whatever the coach says, right? You know, I'm, I'm very honoring. But, um, but we love to win. We played yesterday and we won. We won. We love to win, but we also, we lose some and we, we want to use these life lessons to teach our children the proper way to win. Teach your children how to celebrate. Celebrate the wins in a right fashion. Not to mock, not to get proud and boast, but to humbly say, you know what, hey, whatever it is in life, you know, maybe they did good on a spelling bee. Maybe they did good in a band recital. Celebrate, but in a way that's honoring to God. It's a great opportunity to point to the fact that God gives gives them the gifts that they have that allows them to obtain victory, okay? So teach your children to, to celebrate the wins. Secondly, it's so important that we teach our children how to suffer well. Now, the New Testament is, is full of instruction about suffering. Paul even talks about, you know, sharing in Christ's glory, but also in the suffering. This life is full of suffering. And if we don't teach our children how to suffer well when they suffer, uh, it may put them in a tailspin. It could cause them to have a train wreck in life. We have opportunities in our lives to teach our children how to suffer well. 
You know, this afternoon at 2 p.m., I'm going to be standing with a young couple who lost their baby this week. Dalton and Sable, I know you're watching today, and I want you to know we love you, and this church, your church family, is praying for you. And there are many here at Northwood who have experienced what you've experienced. They know your pain. They know the suffering that you're going through. And we're praying for you, and we're standing with you. You will make it through this, and you will come out on the other side with great faith and a God who loves you. And this is a story that they'll be able to use to teach their other children how to suffer well. Tuesday, I'll be standing with a couple who will be burying their 22-year-old son who committed suicide this week. Butch and Tina, I know you're watching today. This is probably the hardest thing you've ever had to go through. I admire you for how you're navigating it. And I want you to know that this family, this church family loves you. Your Northwood family loves you. And we are praying for you. And we're grieving with you. We're carrying the weight of suffering with you. And this too will be a story that you'll tell. And it will be an opportunity to train your other children how to suffer well. Use the opportunities to teach your children how to suffer well. The third thing I want to leave you with today is teach your children how to manage the mundane. You know, most of life is uneventful. Every day is not Disney. <laughs> how many of your children have ever said, I'm bored? I used to be a smart aleck, still am really, but uh, when my kids would say that, I'd say, I'm going to teach you what a board is. I mean, you know, <clears throat> he forgot about it. <laughs> Teaching your children how to manage the mundane, and, and honestly, I believe you have to be present in your children's lives to do this. The great theologian Jesse Jackson said, your children need your presence more than your presence. I'm not sure that he's a great theologian, but I quoted him anyway. They need your presence. They need you to be there. I did ask Caleb and I did ask Mariah when they were in high school separately. I think I was preparing for a Father's Day message and I said, what's one thing about me that you really, stands out to you, really appreciate? And, and both of them said the same thing. It was independent questions separately, but they both ended up with the same response, that you've always been there. You've always been there. You know, most days are boring. Most days are just routine. And we can neglect those days. We can, we can forget about those days. We can veg out. We can get lost in our phones. Come on, screen time today, 38 hours. And we can miss those opportunities to, to share life with our kids. And you know, they need it when they're little bitty. They need to sit in daddy's lap and you need to spit some ice in their mouth. They need it when they're young adults. They need it when they're adolescents. They need FaceTime. They need you to hear them. Probably the greatest thing you can give your children is a listening ear and some very inquisitive questions. How was your day? How did that make you feel? Are you cool with that? How do you feel like you're going to respond to that? Well, what did the teacher say? Man, I don't know that I would have said that, but you know what? Honor her anyway. Honor him anyway. Just that day-to-day -day presence. At the end of the day, you don't want your kids to grow up to be good. You want them to grow up to know Christ. Well, that could be some relief right there. You, you can quit trying to make your kids good. Spend some time investing in them and teaching them to, to know God. Help them to grow in Christ. I hope that one day that they're going to go 
not like go away, but go in the power of the Holy Spirit. What a great reward. I'm proud of my son. Brooke, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of my daughter. They're not perfect, but they walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. They listen to God. They hear his voice. They don't always obey, neither do I. They always come back. Some of you, your kids are grown. You feel like such a loser right now because you messed up. I get it. Maybe you didn't do it right. There's never a better time to change that than today. You can begin today at applying some of the principles that we shared today. I made sure in my notes here today, I, I had principles that were doable whether you had young children or grown adult children. Take what we said today. Watch it again. Spend some time with God, talking to Him about your children. He'll give you answers. He'll give you instruction. He'll give you insight. That's what He's here for. He, Jesus said, I'm going to send a helper, the Holy Spirit, to help you because He knew you needed help. And He'll help you. time for redemption there's time to redeem those kids somebody you need to hear that once you get along with God wherever you're sitting here today if you're online sitting at home just get along with God right there Wiggins right there in the seats just get along with God Holy Spirit we desperately need your help We need to hear your voice. We, we, we need to retool some things. We need to repent for some of the things we've said and done, the errors that we've made. Holy Spirit, we, we need to institute some, some new rules, some new principles, some new guidelines. We need your help. Come on all over the room, online. Wiggins, right there in the seat. Why don't you ask the Holy Spirit to help you? If you're a student here today, ask him to help you to obey and to honor your parents. Teach you how to submit. To help you in your humility. You are precious in God's sight and he wants to help you. If you're a parent in here today, actively parenting your children, asking for the help, the wisdom to groom them, to steward them well. If you're older and maybe you're a grandparent, maybe your children are grown, pray, oh, Holy Spirit, help me help them to be successful in life. Again, God, we are desperate today. We want to do it your way. Father, I pray for those who are away from you, maybe in this room, maybe online watching Wiggins in the seats there, those that don't know Jesus, who've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe they've never heard. Maybe they've heard and rejected. Maybe they've even prayed a prayer maybe years ago. But here today, they're so far from God, they don't know you that today that they could say yes to Jesus. Come on, if that's you, if you're watching online, if you're here in the room, if you're in the seats in Wiggins and you're away from Jesus, I want to lead you in a simple prayer of repentance that helps you connect with God to begin a new journey with Him. And I would encourage you to say something like this. Say, God in heaven, come on, help me out, folks. God in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. I turn from them today. And I ask you to save me. I ask you to come live inside of me. Teach me to know you. Teach me about your love. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
that I might live for you. Tell him this, God, I give you my whole life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Real quick, look this way. Look this way. If you prayed that prayer today, the Bible says that God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. I can truly stand here today and say, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, if you're at home watching, you prayed that prayer from your heart, God says your sins are forgiven. And now he's saying, come on, grab my hand. Let me show you how to live this new adventure. Come on, folks, give it up for those who made decisions today. Give it up for those who made decisions today. ourselves with their experience and their knowledge and their parenting in us so that we can move forward as better parents. Um, God really just was like, hey, we need to move in those, those people. Those people are there for us to learn from. You know, me and Nadine are great friends and we can identify with where we are, but we can't really say, hey, when I was here and we need that when I was here. And that's what Pastor Mike offered us this morning, the when I was here. So let's be sure as parents that we're reaching up to the people ahead of us that we are grabbing that down to us saying, hey, when you were here, what did I do? Like, how do I navigate? We need to humble ourselves and ask those questions to be better parents. It's such a big deal for us. It's such a big deal for our kids. Um, off my soapbox, I just have a few short announcements for you guys. Um, Pastor Casey told you if you were here for the first time to fill out this card, and so I'm hoping you've already done that. And if you have, you're gonna take it to next steps, table in the back of this church. Somebody will be there, answer any questions, and then um, Pastor Casey will contact you later this week. 
If you're in need of prayer for anything at all, whether it was today's message or not today's message, we're going to have prayer partners at the front of the service, um, and they would love to pray with you. So go ahead and come on up immediately following service. As always, we have two ways to give, either online or to the mailing address on the screen behind me. And um, your giving goes to so many great things, so many ways that we reach the coast for Christ, and then other ways, both nationally and internationally, that we are just bringing ministry to people. One of those ways is FIRM, or the Fellowship of Israel-Related Ministries. And so they're reaching Israel for Christ. We don't often think about this, but 90% of Israel doesn't know Jesus. And so we are um, equipping them financially to be able to resource other ministries in the community so that they can reach out to Israel. The people in Israel can get connected to Christ-centered ministry. So this is such a huge opportunity for us. We're so grateful to be able to be partnered with them. And we're thankful for your generosity that allows us to do that. So together we're partnered with FIRM. Um, two other announcements today, immediately after service, because of COVID, we haven't really been able to have baptisms. So in this time, we've had several people who have gotten saved and been unable to take that next step. So today, immediately after service, we're going to celebrate them as they take their next step in baptism. And if you haven't, uh, if you're in that category and you haven't signed up for baptism, go ahead and sign up for baptism. We're going to keep creating smaller environments where we can safely baptize people. Um, it's our heart for you to be able to take your next step with Christ. So if you want to stay after and celebrate with them, they're going to be right over here immediately after service. And lastly, this Wednesday is First Wednesday. It's just such an awesome service where we can come together and just worship and pray and learn another level. Um, so we encourage you all to be here on Wednesday, 7 p.m. for First Wednesday service. That's all I have for you guys today. Enjoy your week, and we'll see you on Wednesday.